The words, Christ the Savior has come. They were part of the song that Kathy played. I think that music and those words were in the heart of God from Genesis chapter 1. And he looked forward to it as much as any of the Jews ever looked forward to the Messiah coming and Christ coming to be our Savior. I uh, remember back in the days um, when um, hardly no one had good internet around here. The rest of the world had it, but we didn't. (laughs) And I also remember because of the school here, uh, when the school got better quality internet before most of our neighbors did, and uh, that was a real blessing, and I love that. Um, and so did a few other people. And Gary Trana used to come and spend Saturday mornings almost every week, sometimes at least two hours, sometimes three, and sometimes four hours. He would spend on the computer, in the computer lab, and he wouldn't be doing schoolwork for Mandry or any of that. He would be working on genealogy and tracing family roots and all of that uh, in his family. And that kind of always intrigued me a little bit because I've never had any interest in that. That just seemed way too boring for me to really care about. Um, but he loved it and, and spent just countless hours at here, here in the computer lab working on family history and all of that. It's interesting to me, if you were to pull out a a pew Bible, it's on 965 in there, um, and you turn to Matthew chapter 1, verses 1 through 17, it's interesting to me that God introduces the Savior of the world through a genealogy. Who does that? If you were to write a biography... Would you start it with the first chapter being the genealogy from way back when? And, and so-and-so begat so-and-so, and, and so-and-so begat... And here we end up with, you know, whoever it is you're writing the book about. No one tells you to write a biography starting out with a genealogy. But that's the way God did it. And there's a reason for that. And it's usually a part of the scripture that you and I just kind of gloss over. Oh, it's there. We've got to read through this to get to verse 18, the Christmas story, and all of that. Well, I want us to stop and I want us to think a little bit about genealogies this morning and the significance. Because obviously they're very important to God. Maybe not so important to Adrian Timmons but very important to God because there are a lot of them in the Scripture. Many of them in the Old Testament. In fact, they occur so often in in the Old Testament that they have to be important to God. It was through those genealogies, it was through those family records of who begat who in the Old Testament that a Jew knew that they were a Jew for sure. It was through those genealogies that they knew which tribe they belonged to, and that was important if you were a Jew. And if you were a priest, the only way you could serve as a priest in Judaism 
was to know your genealogy and you had to prove that you had come from the tribe of of Levi. And then if you were one of those people who got to be a king of Israel, the only way you could become a king was to really know your genealogy and you had to demonstrate that you were of the line of David. And that a prophet had anointed you for that position. There's a number of things that are clear as you look through the Old Testament and the genealogies back there. We're going to get to the New Testament. We're going to get to Jesus. Trust me. Maybe. (laughs) But it's clear that you had to have... They were only... It only talked about males. The women weren't part of the genealogies in the Old Testament. And so it was the male line that was traced, and it was only male names that were listed. And the reason for that was it was through the male line that determined the national and tribal identity of a person. But then there is something other that you find in the Old Testament genealogies, and that is there are many, many genealogies in the Old Testament, but there is only one genealogy that goes all the way from Adam to David, and all the way from David to Jesus. There's only one. All kinds of other genealogies, and that tells us that Jesus is the most important genealogy in the whole world, in the Word of God, and the most important genealogy to you and to me. Wow. The scriptures reveal every name from Adam to David and link them all together. It reveals every name from David to Zerubbabel. And that's how we have the messianic line through which Jesus came to be our Savior. Now, when we get to the New Testament and we get to the genealogy of Jesus, and there's two in the New Testament, there's one in Matthew and one in Luke, and they are very different from each other. In fact, it is one of the leading arguments against the accuracy of scriptures, of the scripture. The differences between the Matthew account and the Luke account, they are very different. And I want to stand before you today and I want to tell you that you can trust the Word of God. God knew exactly what He was doing when He made those discrepancies, those apparent errors in the genealogical records between Jesus, between Matthew, and between Luke. Dr. David Bauer, who was a mentor of mine in seminary um, and a scholar in Matthew, that's his field is, is the book of Matthew. He teaches that the genealogy teaches us a number of things. First of all, that the God of Abraham wants to be our God. <laughs> you know, when you look at Jesus and, him, and God has sent him and he sent him all the way and connected him all the way back to Abraham here in, in Matthew, Matthew is really making a statement that the God who was the God of Jesus and the God of David and the God of Abraham wants to be our God. That Old Testament God of Abraham, that same God is interested in you and interested in me. 
And it also tells us that you and I are not out here on an island as New Testament Christians by ourselves, but we are connected to the people of God of all time. And you and I have a connection to David, and we have a connection to, you know, to, um, to all those Old Testament saints and Abraham and Adam and all of that. But the genealogy in Matthew also tells us something else. Because Matthew's genealogy is very different from the others in that it is it tells us that the gospel is universal. It's not just for the Jew that arrived from a certain tribe and, and was just a Jew. But it's for everyone. Because Matthew includes the name names of four Greek women in the genealogy, and you are not to do that as a Jew. Those Greeks represented people that were not Jews. And Matthew includes in this genealogical record of Jesus all the foibles and all the people that sin, and we, we know their sins. We, we've gone through Old Testament history, and, and you just expect the Savior of the world to come through this pure line. And there was all kinds, of, I mean, there's David committed adultery and murder, and there's all the, and Abraham, the father of the Jews, who did a lot of dumb things. And Jesus came through that line. One of the other things that we learn from the genealogy in Matthew is that God is in control of history and he works all of those things out. And his purpose, he works out through unexpected people in times of even great chaos. And lastly, I want you to see that one of the things the genealogy of Jesus and Matthew tells us is that salvation history is climaxed in the Lord Jesus Christ. And you and I can really only be a disciple of Christ by staying focused on the Lord Jesus Christ. Now those genealogies uh, between Luke and Matthew always t- also tell us something else. And by the way, it's Luke chapter 3 um, if you want to look for the genealogy in Luke. But they tell us about the fact that Jesus is very human. He is the seed of a woman. And therefore, he is a man. He was the seed of Abraham, Matthew tells us. And therefore, Jesus was a Jew, fitting along with Scripture. He was a seed of Judah, and therefore, he was of the tribe of Judah, and he was the seed of David, and so he was of the family of David and a king. And so the genealogies prove to us that Jesus meets all of the requirements of the scriptures to be your Savior and to be my Savior. Now one of the things about the Jews, kind of a little bit, would remind me a little bit of uh, like Gary Trana sitting away, plugging away for hours and hours endlessly, (laughs) working on genealogies in the computer lab. 
one of the things about them was that they were meticulous record keepers. And they were very accurate. And what appears to us as errors and discrepancies are therefore making a point. And we don't know all those points yet, but we learn more and more all the time. And the longer you become a Christian, the more you learn about the Word of God, things that used to confuse you will begin to make sense. And if you hang out with Christ long enough, you will learn to trust Him even in things that don't make sense to our world. Now, in regard to Matthew's genealogy, Matthew breaks with Jewish tradition. There was a way the Jews wrote genealogies. And even though Matthew is the one, uh, the four gospel writers all write to a different audience. And Matthew was written to the Jews to convince Jews that they needed to receive Jesus as their Messiah. And yet he is the one that breaks with Jewish tradition and writes a genealogy that goes against all Jewish tradition. He mentions the name of these four women, Tamar, Rahab, Ruth, and Bathsheba. And it was, you know, it was just contrary to Jewish practice to mention them. And in fact, the Talmud states, a mother's family is not even to be called a family. Whoa. <laughs> Thank you very much. I'm glad I'm not a Jew. <laughs> anyway, but here they were. I want you to notice about those four women. First of all, they were all Gentiles. It is obvious with Tamar and Rahab and Ruth and with Bathsheba, she was, remember, the husband of Uriah the Hittite. And so we assume that she probably was a Hittite, a Gentile also. Matthew is is hinting there that while the main purpose of Jesus coming to earth was to save the lost sheep of Israel that Jesus was not just coming for Jews, but Jesus came for you, and he came for me as a Gentile. And it didn't matter how lost we were or what we had done. Jesus came for us. And that's why Matthew includes in his genealogy people that weren't even Jews of the Lord Jesus Christ. But second, I want you to notice that several of these women were involved in, not the perpetrators of, maybe the the victims of, but they were involved in sexual sin. Bathsheba was guilty of adultery. Rahab was guilty of prostitution. Tamar was guilty of incest. And Matthew hints right there in the genealogical record that Jesus was coming for a particular purpose to save sinners. And not only to save sinners, but to save victims of sin. (laughs) Matthew's genealogy breaks also with tradition in that he skips names. And that really annoys people who are looking or trying to find a reason um, to not believe the Bible because they look at that and, and they can go somewhere else and prove that there were people in between. Matthew doesn't, isn't trying to give a name-by-name list that you would find in the Old Testament. He's, he's just putting people together and maybe sometimes he goes 
to, from grandpa to grandchild or whatever, but he's, he's putting his line together and he skips some names and um, he traces the line of Joseph starting with Abraham and he includes some problem figures like those women. <laughs> but he also included one particular man in particular, King Jeconiah. Now, Jeconiah, if you go to Jeremiah chapter 22, you will find that the prophet Jeremiah had pronounced a curse on King Jeconiah and that nobody from the line of King Jeconiah could be the savior of the world, that God was done with him, wanted nothing to do with his descendants. (laughs) And yet Joseph is a descendant of Abraham, David, Solomon, and King Jeconiah. Joseph could not, absolutely could not, be the biological father of the Lord Jesus Christ because Matthew says, He was of the line of King Jeconiah. So the the whole purpose of the genealogy in Matthew's account is to tell us why Joseph could not be the biological father of Jesus. That brings us to Luke. And that's where Luke comes in to demonstrate that it was through Mary's biological line. And again, women aren't to be part of a genealogy. But Luke starts off with Mary and works backward and doesn't stop at Adam because, or Abraham, goes all the way back to Adam because Luke is writing to Gentiles, not to Jews. He's writing to Gentiles and he wants to say that from the time of Adam, God had a plan for the whole world to come to know Jesus. Now, because of that, Luke should have had no interest in Jewish ways of writing a genealogy because he wasn't writing to Jews. And yet, of the two genealogical records, Luke is the one who is very concerned to do it very proper according to Jewish requirements. And so he doesn't mention any women except for Mary, He omits no names and goes name by name, generation right after generation. And Luke traces the line of Mary using the name of her husband, Joseph. And it tells us who her father was and goes all the way back. And you know what? Her name, her family lineage does not go through King Jeconiah or through Solomon. Her family lineage goes through Nathan, David's another son of David, and her family lineage goes through Nathan and David, Abraham, 
and Adam. And all the way back. Now, one of the other things that, that we don't see in our English Bibles and not even in the King James, Gary, um, <laughs> is that um, in, in Greek, it is very proper to do something that's not proper at all in English. And that is to put the definite article, the, in front of a proper name. And so, the Dolores, the Roger, the Joanne, and the Alfred are going out to something. And all the way through the genealogical record in Luke, Luke does that. All the way through, the is in front of every one of those people, except for one person. And he does it on purpose. He does not stick it in front of Joseph. And he does that to indicate that this is not the line of Joseph. This is the line of Mary. Genesis chapter 3, verse 15 after Adam and Eve had fallen in the garden and caved into sin, it tells us that the Messiah would be the seed of a woman and not a man. Isaiah chapter 7, 14 says, He would be born a virgin. And the Messiah's humanity would come completely through the line of his mother. And so between the two genealogies of Matthew and Luke, we learn this. That Jesus is the son of David. He is a king. He is the son of Abraham. He is a Jew. He is the son of Adam. He is a man. And he is the son of God. He is divine God. Now what are you and I to make of all of this? What are we to do with these genealogies that God used to introduce Jesus? To us at the Christmas season. One of the things that, first of all, I would say to you is this God can and wants to be at work in our family, regardless of what we have done. And God can and wants to be at work in each one of us, regardless of what our families have done. And all the way through that genealogical record, Matthew and Luke don't... They, I mean, God could have just cleaned this, this record up a lot. <laughs> and he could not have highlighted the fact... I mean, he specifically mentions Bathsheba in there to embarrass David. And he mentions Rahab, and he mentions all of that stuff in the Old Testament. And he mentions sin and disgrace and all those kind of things. And, and the thing that God wants us to know, it doesn't matter what your family has done or what you have done. God is still in the business of saving and redeeming, and God is always at work, and he wants to be. He loves you. He cares about you. And, it, you know, he is going to be the God who is always 
faithful and always at work. And even through all of that genealogical record, all of those people, God sent his Savior, Jesus. And it doesn't matter where you have been, what you've done, God is interested in you. Secondly, I want to say this morning that you can trust the Word of God and you can trust God. For centuries, people have not been able to understand and make sense out of some of the inaccuracies, some of the discrepancies between the genealogies and all of that. And there's still some things that we don't make sense of today, but someday we're going to know. <laughs> and it's all going to make sense. And friends, I want to say to you today, hang in there with the Word of God. It is everything in there. Even the things that make no sense to us today, they are there for a particular purpose like King Jeconiah in the genealogical record of Jesus and Matthew. And then I want to say that God keeps track of your story. He knows your history. And the big question for us is, is your history a part of God's history? And history, you know, I learned this uh, from Rebecca, um, So often I heard this phrase, history is his story. And that makes sense. History is his story. Is your history, is your story part of God's story? Because for all of those people in the record, they were all part of the story of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you know what? God wants to be part of your story. He wants to be the story in your life. I don't say this often enough. I hope you hear it more often from me. But the best thing you can do with your life is trust it to God and see what he will do with it.